0: Welcome to the Fresh Fiction podcast. My name is Gwen Reyes. This week, Danielle and I are talking about one of our favorite things in the entire world—food. We also have a lovely interview with one of the nicest people in publishing, best-selling author Sally Dave. Her newest book, *In Sense of Sensibility*, is available now. Danielle and I are also going to be updating each other on our goals from last episode, and we're going to talk about what is bringing us joy this week. Yay! All right, Danielle. So good yeah. to see you again. I, know. I missed you. You were on a long vacation with your family. The last I heard from you, you were on your way, worried about, you know, surviving with them. How
1: did it go? It was good. (laughs) It was really, it was a good vacation. Um, We were gone for five days, which was like the perfect amount of time. We were like three blocks away from the little, like this little Lake town in Michigan, So we could walk to the beach. We could walk to restaurants. We could walk to all the little shops. It was a lot of fun. We had a really good time. I will say though, it turned, it did end up turning into one of those vacations where I just got very tired because I'm married to someone who likes to do things.
0: Uh, uh
1: Um, he, you know, he does not do just like hanging out very well in a way like in a relaxing way like we're on vacation we need to go do something we need to go hike up some some sand dunes and we need to you know go walk all over traverse city so in the end i like i came home and i was tired which was not the plan i wanted to be very relaxed but we did have fun we had a very nice time and the three of us all together it was really it was great we all just like We got along, which I was, I wasn't too worried about it, but you know what I mean? You know, it's just, you never know. So how are you doing? What's new with you?
0: I am doing great. Um, I also am feeling really good. This was a really fun week. I got to see a good friend of mine who came into town from Dallas, who I actually (laughs) had not seen since before the pandemic, even though we're in like a group chat, but it was like, we just all when the pandemic happened, none of us could see each other. So I didn't get to say goodbye to her in person. So it was really nice to get to after having not seen her for two years, get like a big hug and yeah. we cried. And then our friend, I've known her since I was 12. And then our mm-hmm. other friend, Jen, who's also lives in the area. She, we've all known each other since we were 12 years old. So it was like That's this amazing. Just sweet little moment. And I was just very happy to get to have that and share that with them and
1: yeah. see
0: my friends. And then it's just, I was mentioning before we started recording, but it's like going out into the world. It's like thrilling now. Like I'm excited, mm-hmm. even though Delta is knocking on our door, it's like,
1: Things go safer
0: as long as we're just being, being cautious. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still good out there.
1: That has been the best part. I think of things opening up is getting to see people
2: mm-hmm.
1: in person. I will say, cause I mean, I think we both, I think, yeah, we're both relatively introverted. Yeah. And so like, de- I definitely felt like at the end of each day in Michigan, being exhausted just by just from being around people, you know, uh, and it's like, it is. I was like, oh, I forgot what this like introverted interaction fatigue was. Yeah. <laughs> and now I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna have a glass of wine. And we we rented a house, I should say, and we had it had this cute little sunroom. So I was like, I'm gonna have a glass of wine. I'm gonna sit in the little sunroom. Love it. And like decompress. Making and making plans even just to like mm-hmm. see friends is very exciting. What is one good thing you've achieved this week?
0: Oh, I bought a composter. Well not a composter I bought like a composting bin because we're going to start composting. And I think that that's a good thing. We'll see if I I can continue doing it.
1: I feel like that is like the most Pacific Northwest thing you've ever said to me. Yeah. Uh (laughs) I bought a composting bin. (laughs) I bought two composting bins actually. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I love it.
0: What about you? What's one thing that you've accomplished this week?
1: I have started to slowly work my way back to my maiden Mm. name, Danielle Jackson, because that's what my writing name is going to be. So I updated my Twitter and my Instagram, still working, slowly working on my website. But all of these things are kind of coming together because, you know, early next year I will have, you know... Mm -hmm review copies and a book cover and all of that stuff. So, so yes, I mean, I'm not going to drop the dresser probably on my fresh fiction stuff. Cause that is kind of prof- like my, professional. my professional life, I guess is, you know, and, and dresser is my legal. Li- I mean, my legal name is Danielle Jackson dresser. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, and, th- and that's the other, you know, it's like, you think about like what you want to copyright under and then, but also how you want people to know you. And I was like, well, I started out in the industry as Danielle Jackson and I got married and transitioned to dresser. And now I'm going back to Jackson. So it's all just mixed up. It doesn't uh-huh. really matter. It's all the <laughs> same. Everyone knows me. Like sometimes people are like, Oh yeah, you had a different last name." You know, people still know me as Danielle Jackson. So it's like, whatever. But yeah, yeah. so that I, at least I did those two things, the Twitter and Instagram And hopefully soon I can say I achieved actually finishing my website, but it's been very slow going. I Mm.
0: was so excited when I saw your name change on your Twitter. I like, I texted you and I was like,
1: you changed your name. It's so exciting. Like I felt very
0: like summer 2022 feels very official now like that's a big step
1: yeah yeah it is a big step it it does make it seem a little bit more real mm-hmm. um which is exciting and you know and we'll we'll see I mean you'll hear it first when my website's <laughs> actually done. <laughs> Which will probably that be, Yeah, which will be in like <laughs> spring 2022 at the rate things are going. <laughs> our topic of the week, which is very directly inspired by our interview later in the show so from with Sonali because Sonali and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on. But Sonali always puts food in her book in a way that is just so wonderful and it makes me want to eat the food immediately so we're talking about food and pop culture and I don't think this should not be surprising like we said at the top because we talk about food every single episode absolutely um But also I think food is just an important part of pop culture because it, it, you know, it is an easy identifier when you want to make something feel authentic or you want to make, you know, it, it, it is a way to make a statement, I think in a lot of, of parts of, of the entertainment industry, but then it also can, I think represent, you know, it represents people. It represents different countries and their cultures. Um, and it, it really, I think, moves forward a story, whether that's on reality TV or a competition show or in something fictional, you know. Oh so I thought before we got on to our wrecks we should have some fun with, like, rapid-fire food questions. Um, yeah, because I just think er- – anyone and everyone seems to talk about food. So, okay. My first question is what is one food you could eat forever and never get sick of it?
0: Oh man. Uh, cheese.
1: (laughs) Any, any cheese in particular, just all the cheese.
0: (laughs) I'm like, if if my stomach, if I could eliminate stomach problems, I Mm -hmm. would, I would eat, uh, I think it would be, um, oh, it would be goat cheese. Goat cheese would be.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, feel I like, like that it
0: all the time. What yeah. About, yeah, yeah.
1: I really love very specifically Japanese sticky rice. I could eat it all day long, and there are like I I have actually I've like learned how to make it out of not even in a rice maker. I make it in a pot, and I wow. will like the beginning of the week. I will make like a big just vat of it and just eat it all week long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that it's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it's so specific. It, it is like extra sticky because it's clear. It's the rice that goes on the outside of sushi or inside of sushi. And, and it's just so good. I don't have to put anything on it. I just like yeah. warm it up and go from there. And I, I honestly could eat it every day.
0: Do you toss it with the uh, rice wine vinegar too?
1: Sometimes not all. It depends on if we oh. have it or not, but if we yeah. have it, oh yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, for oh. sure. That's <laughs> delicious. Delicious. Ah, yeah. good pick.
1: <laughs> so good. Okay. So now what is a food that everyone seems to love, but you cannot stand? Olives. Interesting. Like all olives or specifically one type? It used to be all olives. I have mm-hmm. come around to those. The
0: They're like bright green. They start with a C. They're like cassavette, Casavetti oh, olives, but they're very buttery, but they're not very like They have the brine without the Mm -hmm. overpowering olive taste. But yeah, olives are a thing I will most of the time throw away because they are not for me.
1: (laughs) Wow. That's major. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But if you like olives, it's perfect relationship
1: because then I can always give you my olives. That's true. This is, this is, (laughs) this makes sense. Um, Okay. So I'm going to, this is, I think people, we may get hate mail because of this. (laughs) I don't really like guacamole (laughs) it's very specifically though and I have a theory about why because I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show but I'm allergic to tomatoes so when I have guacamole I can't have pico de gallo in it like Mm -hmm. I have onions and all the spices and things like that but I can't have tomatoes and I think that makes a really big difference it does I don't I don't know. I just don't, I get maybe it's not, the, I mean, I'll eat it, but it's not, I'm not like in love with it the way mm-hmm. that people are. But that being said, I do like avocado. It's That's just specifically time. guacamole that I'm like not impressed with, but I will have like, I'll have, I'm not going to just like sit down and eat, you know, an avocado, but I will have like avocado toast or have it on a salad or in a sandwich. Mm-hmm. But yeah, guacamole and I, I'm just, I'm always like, Yeah. Everyone talks about how great guacamole is. And And I'm just like, I'm not there.
0: (laughs) I love that. This is perfect. This is actually great. I'll eat all the guacamole.
1: Good. Okay. I'll eat your olives and you give, and I, and I'll give you my guacamole. Okay. What do you consider the best dish you can make from scratch?
0: Oh, okay. Um, Oh, this is really hard. I have two that are battling in my head right now for mm-hmm. supremacy. Um, I think I'm going to go with, uh, po- I'm not pot pie. I'm going to go with shepherd's pie.
2: Mm. I, think I make a
0: really good, I can make it like really fatty and decadent mm-hmm. and over the top and I can make it healthy and still taste good. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. that is my, yeah, that's one of my favorites.
1: I love that. Mine is okay. So there's this pound cake that's a family recipe. It's a sour cream pound cake. And on my mom's side of the family, like all of the women are, they either are really good cooks or bakers. But my mom's mom, my grandma was like, she did both. (laughs) But this pound cake recipe, I don't know how long it's been in our family, but it's, it's like the perfect pound cake. And that is like something from it for as long as I can remember, like having eat, like eating it, being really young and being like, I'm going to make this cake one day. And that's why I'm a baker. Like, that's why I like baking so much because it's like, it runs in our family. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a recipe that I have completely memorized and I can make it anywhere as long as I have a grocery store. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's really it. It really, it's like, it's just, it, it rises like the right amount. It gets crusty on the top, which is perfect. You can eat it for breakfast. You can have it, you know, for dessert, but it's definitely the type of pound cake where like, you don't have to add anything to it. Like, you know, some mm. people put like a lemon drizzle or an orange drizzle or berries and whipped cream. Like this is the type of pound cake where you can just, you can eat it and that's all you need. I love it. Um, so yeah, that's what I consider. My best dish. Um, okay, this one's fun. What's a food that reminds you of childhood?
0: Vienna sausages.
1: <laughs> Which
0: That's is amazing. Like, it was just the instant first one. It was a food I only liked as a kid, mm-hmm. um, but I really liked it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with Vienna sausages. <laughs> That's so <laughs> gross.
1: That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, that is like really gross, but so gross. I'll allow it.
0: <laughs> don't eat them now. I've not eaten ones since I was probably eight years old. <laughs> uh, that's really funny.
1: <laughs> um, okay. So mine is, it's very specific, but my dad makes the best pancakes. Oh, I don't really, they're, good. they're literally like, you know, like I don't know, hungry Jack, like from Mm -hmm. the box, but whatever he does, however he mixes it up, you know, it's, they're the best. And I I mean, anytime I have pancakes, even out at a restaurant, I'm just like, they're just not the same. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also just have very fond memories of like, waking up like on the weekend it wasn't every weekend but it was probably like once or twice a month that he would mm-hmm. he would get up and he would make breakfast and and it was like at the time it was like the one thing he would like really make you know like because yeah. if he was in charge of dinner he would just like we would go have McDonald's or whatever yeah. but it was like the one thing he would do And, and yeah, I just remember like waking up early and like helping him mix the batter and, you know, just like that kind of that special time. And now I will say though, I never get them because they now have a granddaughter who they much more prefer and she gets them and will come home after like Mm. staying with them and say grandpa made pancakes. And I'm just like, I haven't had them in, in years. Um,
0: and if I, yeah. And
1: it's like, and if I do go over there for breakfast, it's like, we get toast, like we don't get pancakes. (laughs) So I'm not bitter at all.
0: No, you're you're dealing, you're doing great with it.
1: Yeah, totally, (laughs) totally adjusting well. Um,
0: Just fine. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. Last rapid, rapid fire question, a food you want to try, but you haven't gotten around to yet.
0: Oh man.
1: I know this one was hard. I was thinking about this like a little bit earlier today and I was like, do I have an answer? But I do, I do have an answer.
0: I think my, oh, I want to try that. I haven't tried. Mm. I was gonna say like haggis but I've had haggis so that's <laughs> and it was gross but I tried it <laughs> yeah um, probably like octopus maybe mm. like like fresh like, mm. like the sushi fancy kind not just like takoyaki yeah. but like do yeah. you actually see it looking like an octopus I yeah. think that would be or puffer fish very dangerous oh, yeah yeah I think that some sort of weird Mm -hmm. ish is I think what I would, I would pick.
1: Yeah. I like that. I think that's really, I didn't, so I ended up just kind of going with like regional cuisine that I just don't know that much about. Mm -hmm. And it's like Eastern European. I've heard, that like you know like I've had you know I live not far from Chicago there's a very big Polish population like I've had really great authentic Polish food but I mean like Croatian or even like Russian like I don't know that much about that region of Europe in general but but also about like their food but I've heard like I I know a few people who've actually gone to Croatia who talk about how amazing the food is. And I'm just like, I don't even know like a specific dish, but mm-hmm. that I think is something that I would I would love to try. Perhaps yeah. even in that country, who knows? That would be super <laughs> cool. And I hear their pastries are to die for. Yeah, right. Like a good yeah. pastry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Love pastry. Okay, great. <laughs> that was so fun. I know that was fun. Um, Again, I mean, this is no surprise to anyone. We could talk about food. I think we could just talk about food. This could just could become the Fresh Food Podcast because That's we could really just talk good. about food. Yeah, be like,
0: this is what we're listening to while we're cooking. Yeah, uh, and so exactly. we're watching while we're cooking.
1: <laughs> like this is the library book I ruined because I was eating while reading while it. Reading like it, that yeah. has okay. definitely happened to me. Um, oh my god! And I've yeah, um,
0: I was. <laughs> I was reading, I was eating Doritos because I'm obsessed with Doritos recently. Uh, Ever since this move happened, I've become obsessed with Doritos. And I was reading and I had the orange fingers and Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh God, oh God, what do I do? Yeah. (laughs) Use my nose to like hit the next page.
1: (laughs) I love that. Okay. So let's move into our pop culture wrecks. I think this was like, this was harder than I anticipated because- they're so, I mean, every show has food. Every movie has like a scene where there's food in it or something. So, but I, I do like how we kind of um split this up. So let's and I think we have a lot of crossover. Yeah. So I'm looking. Yeah, at- I
0: figured I figured I would we could talk about because our cooking show stuff and competitions are very similar. Yeah. So it was like- okay. So
1: let's start with cooking, like cooking shows. We're differentiating between cooking shows, which are usually kind of like the how-to mm-hmm. with a specific person kind of running, you know, in charge of everything, versus like a competition show. Yeah. So let's start, yeah, let's start with like cooking shows or chef shows. That may be a better way to Ooh, think like about it. Shows. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of your favorite TV cooking or chef shows.
0: Okay. So I am um, a huge fan of just putting the food network on Thanks. on Saturday morning and Sunday morning until the kitchen comes on. I hate the kitchen.
1: Why is it the worst? Why it is,
2: the is worst. it the worst?
0: <laughs> <laughs> they all suck. Like, I, do, I, I get so mad when that show comes on. I'm like, no, absolutely not. Um, okay. okay. But anyway, I love Ina. I love Martha. Yes. I, you know, I'm all about the awesome aesthetic mm-hmm. of, uh, of the cooking world of like bougie cooking. Um, I'm also yeah. like a recent convert in the last year to Tabitha Brown, who is, was oh. a TikTok, uh, personality. She's now becoming a bigger personality. She mm-hmm. has, like, a, she does, a. she even has a, um, like an audio book on calm, like on the oh, app. Oh, man Yeah, her voice is so cool. But she does these like little. She started as a TikTok chef, and she would just kind of help you figure out how to get rid of the leftovers in your fridge, or like mm-hmm. your fruit. Your fruit and vegetables are about to turn. Let's figure out how to cook them so they don't go bad. But then nice. all of her stuff is also vegan, so mm-hmm. it's like fun little twists. And she's just yeah. such a fun, fun personality. Um, I also. Oh, am a huge, uh, anything that Bobby Flay and Giada can get their hands on too, because I love their sexual tension. Cause you can tell that there is so much that they are trying to keep covered. Yes. With, with all those things.
1: There's and something like, happening.
0: There is something happening. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just love them. And then, um, I'm sometimes, sometimes I'll turn on to Molly Ye, but she's too weird. Sometimes I agree. I do. Strange.
1: I do like her, but yeah. Like, yeah. What was the one that was like the popcorn salad? Popcorn salad like, what, was weird. Yeah. What is that? She
0: Yeah. She had another one that I was like, I, I couldn't, she just very much loves mayonnaise and I
1: very much do not love mayonnaise. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Okay. So I, Went to we've talked about Nadia Bakes, who she was a contestant on the Great British Baking Show, but her shows are just so and there's another one. The name I cannot remember. I will put it in show notes, Um, but I like how she's just so relatable. She's a Mm -hmm. mom. She has I think she has two or three kids. She knows people are pressed for time. Like she makes a point. I think she'll do like elaborate dishes that do have a lot of steps and things. But then she also will be like, just go buy the canned, whatever, or go buy, you know, go get the angel food cake that's already been made for your yep. birthday. You know, like she, I really love that her approach to everything. And she's also just like such a joy to watch. She always wears really bright colors. Mm. She's also absolutely beautiful. Like she's yeah. just gorgeous. And so she's, yeah, she's just so much fun to watch on, on the show. Um, I want to also talk. So this is kind of like giving away one of my movie picks. But on Netflix, they did a show with John Favreau and Chef Roy Choi called The Chef Show, which was based off of John Favreau's movie Chef that came out, I think, in like 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, it's John and Roy hanging out and cooking together. And because Roy was like a consultant on the movie Chef, and that's kind of how they met and really became well acquainted and became friends. And they basically, they, they go to different restaurants. They kind of, it's kind of a travelogue show. Um, And they just, they go find like really cool people to talk about who have really cool restaurants or really cool. Like they did one where it was like at a bread shop and like, there was one, I can't remember who it was, but somebody who like made kombucha and like the process they went through it. Yeah. It was really, it's really fun. And it's definitely like an easy show. And the cool thing though, is that since it's Jon Favreau, like Robert Downey Jr. just shows up or Gwyneth Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. (laughs) Just show up, you know? So it, they, he has a lot of connections, obviously he's an actor and a director, um, and very successful. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's a really fun show that I don't think that many people talk about. Like, I think people watch, like, I think whenever a new season goes up, it, it is in like the top 10 on Netflix, but I don't think people talk about it as much. Yeah, and yeah. similar to you, Gwen, I will just turn on the food network and whatever comes on is on, even if it's like a many years old episode of diners, drive-ins and dives, I'm going to watch it. I
0: love Friday night diners, drive-ins and yeah, dives, 24 so hours good. of it. I'm like, God, yeah. Fieri, I love you so much. <laughs> My feelings so about Guy has like really gone on a giant
2: journey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, so let's now let's talk about cooking competition shows, because I think this is so fun. And I, I know we both have talked about our love of Top Chef, which I mean, it's the OG. OG. It's it's the one that I think started it all. Yeah. Um, and like, re- I think it really transformed. It it made the celebrity chef like a thing. I think like really took it to the next level. So
0: yeah, yeah. It, it's it's so good. I'm in the middle right now of a rewatch. Well, it's not a rewatch because mm-hmm. I stopped watching Top Chef in like season eight. I think mm-hmm. it w- Yeah, it was definitely the season right before the Texas season. Okay. And so, when we finished Portland this pre, this current season that just mm-hmm. finished, um, I decided I was like, we gotta watch the the. I want to see the Dallas season because mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was awesome. I actually didn't think it was like all of Texas, so I was not expecting yeah. to see Dallas involved with it. So we did that, and now we're watching Seattle, and it's just so cool to see these chefs that now, ten years later, mm-hmm. have cookbooks, have restaurants have James Beard awards are, um, have also have all their own controversies and crimes and Mm -hmm. and challenges on their ends. And, and and that sucks. And then also like being able to see the importance of again, spectrum of diversity of different Mm -hmm. flavors. And also to see like how far from 10, from season 10, Mm -hmm. where it, or it's not season 10, season nine, everything is just very like American Southern cooking, Yeah, you're starting to see this turn and interest in more authentic cooking and more Mm -hmm. like people who aren't just making like fried chicken or like banquet food. Like it was a cool transition to see, like, we're no longer making like protein, vegetable and a starch. It's Mm -hmm. like, now we're going to make something fancy and even more over the top. And that touches all these different cultures. So to go back, it's like such a great opportunity to watch that.
1: Yeah. You know what's interesting is I think especially this this season of Top Chef was really interesting mm-hmm. because it took place during the pandemic and so but one thing I noticed was almost every chef on this season already had a restaurant. Yeah. Or yeah, and they were like, "Oh, well one of my restaurants closed, but my other one's still open." And I was like, like do you remember the days of Top Chef where it's like you went on Top Chef so you could win a hundred thousand dollars so uh-huh. you could open a restaurant yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, it yeah. is it is interesting that it's become like a stop on like the success train you know for mm-hmm. for the I think and for I think people who are in the mind frame of oh, I want to be a celebrity chef like yeah. I don't want to just own my own restaurant I want to do it all want to be
0: a personality yeah, yeah
1: so that that's really I think that's that's yeah. interesting and that would be interesting to like go back and watch and then just to see how many people have uh-huh. like what they've done since then.
0: Do you, I mean, the okay, yes. So the season watch yeah. the Seattle season has John Tasser in it,
1: who mm. is a huge Dallas
0: chef. Like it's yeah. like Dallas chefs, you've got Dean Faring, you have Tim Love and you've got John Tasser. He's mm-hmm. like the bad boy, awful chef. His restaurants are delicious, but they can't stay open because he's very volatile. And <laughs> so it's wild to be watching the show with him on it. Cause I'm just like, he's such a big, he was a big deal when he went on the show. Yeah. And then he became an even bigger deal afterwards. And so mm-hmm. it's just that really crazy like star effect of going on it as already a celebrity.
1: Yeah, I like that. Um I want to also give a shout out to Chopped because that was mm-hmm. also pretty early on. Yeah. And I think it I think it still it still has like its appeal. And Chopped um, is such a
0: cool blending of like yeah top chef and iron chef like Mm -hmm. making those that format of those mashing up those two formats to make their own sort of unique Mm -hmm. show
1: I do love it though when someone makes something truly disgusting and the you know and the judges are just like I don't want to eat this
0: (laughs) I like all the other iterations like if you have discovery plus there's like um Mm -hmm. the chop juniors and the chop 420 so there's like all the different versions over there too yeah
1: Um, okay. So of course I'm going to mention the great British baking show. It's Mm -hmm. wonderful. I don't think you need to tell everyone how wonderful it is. Um, and then I think one that's fun is, is nailed it on Mm -hmm. Netflix, which we've talked about because we're obsessed with Nicole Byer. I love Nicole. Um, yeah, (laughs) I know it's so fun and it's ridiculous. And, and I like how like twice a season they, they find someone who actually knows what they're doing Mm -hmm. and, and but it it is it's just so much fun, and you can just tell the people making the show are having the oh, best time. Yeah. So I love when that happens. Um, okay, so let's talk about movies because I really like your movie picks. <laughs> I really like your movie picks too.
0: <laughs> I was like Ratatouille is one of the best. So, okay. Yeah. So we okay, so- yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I'll go first. Cause I already talked about one, like I talked about chef, which was, you know, and which was the, how the chef show on Netflix kind of originated, but it is a really great story about, you know, a guy who's a chef and he's trying to figure out what he wants to do. And he's going through a pretty bad divorce and he kind of just needs to like change his life. And so he decides to open a food truck and like travel across the country. And, you know, and it's John Favreau acting. I can't, I don't, think he directed it but I could be wrong um and his best friend is John Leguizamo his ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife is Sofia Vergara Scarlett Mm -hmm. Johansson's in it you know it's just like all of these people kind of show up and it is it's I think it's a really great look into like what it's like being on a food truck and how you make ends meet and how you can travel across the country and cook your way across the country and bring really good food to a lot of different people it's a really it's a really fun movie Um, Yeah. Ratatouille is, I think, just like a genius Pixar film. It's so good. It's so great. I didn't see it when it came out. I remember seeing it like, I think my now husband and I, like we were dating and we saw, you know, it was like back when... You know, different movies could be on not their specific streaming platform. Yes, you know, it was like it was like on HBO or something. Mm-hmm. And he was, and I was like, oh, I've never seen that. And he, and you know, he was just like, Oh no, you should watch. This is actually really cute, and my daughter really loves it now. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a lot of fun. I love that. My last movie is like an indie film from like 1999 called Dinner Rush. It takes place at an Italian restaurant in little Il- in Little Italy in New York, and it's about this restaurant that is where a bunch of mob bosses like meet and hang out like it's supposed to be neutral ground and it's like where Mm -hmm. they come talk about stuff but it also but and so like the restaurant kind of gets caught up in some of the mess like they owe certain mob bosses money and it's like it's wild but it's also like okay, please don't kill anyone right now, because we have to get through the dinner service. Like, So no one can die right now. Um, and it's and it it's like, it, it's kind of like a stereotypical, like mob movie in that regard. But it also has this food aspect. And they I and they that. are like, back in the kitchen, and they're showing them cooking and like, create, you know, the executive chef is creating these amazing dishes for these literal mob bosses <laughs> and, and it's really fun. I don't know. I doubt it's streaming anywhere, but maybe, you know, maybe it's one of those movies that like shows up in pieces on YouTube, you know, like big chunks of it just end up there. But I don't know. I don't know if I want to like share that, but anyway, but I, I, will, I will try to find if it's available streaming anywhere or if it's, you know, easily you can I'm sure you could get it at a library somewhere. So <laughs> So it. what about you? What are your movie picks?
0: So let's see. I absolutely love um, the movie Chocolat yes. with Johnny Depp and uh, Juliette Binoche, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because yeah. um, it's. I just love all the cooking scenes in it. Yeah. Like every time they were making chocolate, I'm like, just give me a super cut of all of that. The love and the, mm-hmm. the romance is nice and all, but I just want the, the cooking and the chocolate tempering. is amazing in that. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Um, I also... When i was thinking about this i was kind of just thinking about scenes in movies mm-hmm. and how they're like food scenes that i just always always think about and another one is uh steven spielberg's classic retelling of uh peter pan hook yeah. i love the scene when they have to imagine the food and the big banquet and like mm-hmm. they're just eating like bowls of colorful uh cool whip like it's yeah just, i freaking love that scene so much so <laughs> i had without in even though it's from like what I think that movie came out in like 91, 92. Yeah. It's still just, I think about it every day. I, think about it yeah. all
1: the time. I love that movie. <laughs> it's so
0: good. Um, and another one, uh, I, there will be two Anthony Bourdain uh, references from, from me, but this first one is uh, Bradley Cooper did a short run season or one season on Fox mm-hmm. of a adaptation of Anthony Bourdain's memoir, Kitchen Confidential, yeah. which is all about- him being a recovering addict and starting mm-hmm. a restaurant and and um, getting the start to his career. And so they turned it into a show. Bradley Cooper left alias to do this show, <laughs> and it got canceled. They played in typical Fox order or typical Fox, they played it all out of order, so it didn't oh make a gosh. lot of sense. Yeah. But it was such a fun, quirky show set in a restaurant. It had Nicholas Brendan in it. Um, He played a neurotic baker who was in charge of making bread. And there was like Anthony uh, or um, Michael Vartan, also from Alias played the sexy French chef from the rival restaurant across the street. (laughs) Um, It was just, it's really ridiculous. I think you can get it on Netflix. I think it's still available to stream on Netflix, but Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, which you can watch it in order there. Um, I love it. It's so (laughs) quirky and weird. And I wish that there had been more of it, but uh, it's, it's great. Um, I also, uh, switching gears from narratives to documentaries, mm-hmm. um, there was a documentary that I saw at South by Southwest um, in 2011, oh, wow. that I, again, have been thinking about forever because it taught me about how the Michelin star ratings work, yeah. um, and, and a chef's, like, pursuit of getting his stars for his restaurant. Um, so it's a documentary called A Matter of Taste, and it's about Paul uh, LeBrandt, who who um, was based for his restaurant. He was opening a restaurant. It follows him as he's opening his restaurant. And then at the same time, trying to get from one star to two stars Mm -hmm. and how impossible it is to do that because there had never been an American restaurant at the time that had,
1: like two stars
0: so he was like I'm gonna get this yeah uh, this star rating so it's really cool it's very painful because you watch him go through the ups and downs and um going through his his marriage and having a kid and so it's very Mm -hmm. very cool but um and he's also like one of the youngest chefs too I think that was also part of this like fueling his desire because he was so young getting all this attention Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
0: but it's very good and uh the other one there's I wanted to discuss this, I haven't watched it yet, but Mm -hmm. uh, Anthony Bourdain has a new, there's a new documentary coming out or it's available now, I think in theaters and will be available on HBO go next month called Mm -hmm. Roadrunner, which chronicles his, the last year of his life, but also mostly is, it's all from the perspective and crew that worked with him on his No Reservation show. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a little bit of controversy about it because it's like, One, there seems to be bitter crew members that are, that were very hurt by Anthony in the last Mm -hmm. year of his life because he was going through so much pain. Um, And then there's also like some sort of ethic questions about how they uh, share his suicide or not suicide. I know some of his emails there that he didn't Mm -hmm. actually, he wrote them, but he didn't actually read them, but they have, they've made an AI voice read them on in the movie um, so there's a little, just a little bit of ethics questions there, but I always mm-hmm. think that it's much better to kind of watch something and see it. Cause it is his own, his own voice and his own um, story, but yeah, I'm interested to see that. I'm not yeah. a big Anthony Bourdain fan, even though I just mentioned two Anthony Bourdain things, <laughs> but uh, I am interested to see that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's, it is, it's, it is hard to figure out you know, I mean, this is not the same at all because it's fictional, but like I mean, remember the uproar when at the end of Rogue One, mm-hmm. the Star Wars movie, when you know they kind of superimposed Carrie Fisher's yes. obviously from the past, but you know, I mean they 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 did do that there and you know and people were pretty upset by that too. Yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what what That's happens, rude. especially when it and when more reviews of it I think come out and and we'll see. Yeah, we
0: will
1: see. <laughs> okay, so let's move into books um because we are like I mentioned, we're talking later in the show with Sonali Dave and all of her books whether they're in this current series or not, come from some of her earlier books usually have a food element. Um Sonali is from India, so all of the food in her books are amazingly authentic Indian dishes, which is so great. Um, But I do want to call out specifically Recipe for Persuasion. Um, This book came out last year, and it deals with a a woman who is a chef. She has taken over her father's restaurant. Her father passed away. Um, And so she's now the executive chef at this restaurant. And it's kind of floundering. She also doesn't really love it. Um, And so one of her friends is a producer on a reality TV cooking show. It's basically, it's like Dancing with the Stars, but it's Cooking with the Stars. And so, and it's, there's a big cash prize if they win and she gets paired up with her, of course, coincidentally, her first love who just so happens to be a Brazilian soccer star. Um, And so they have to cook together and they have to figure out how to work together as well. Because I mean, when you're in the kitchen, You have to be able to work well together otherwise someone could get seriously injured um and it and it is it is a retelling or it's inspired by jane austen's persuasion you know so there is definitely a love story and there's definitely unrequited feelings but it is i mean the food is like front and center you know and it's really it is fun that it takes place on like a cooking show um And there's just, yeah, there's a lot of fun, fun things that happen in that book. I really, I think that is of the books that are out right now. I think that it's my favorite one, but I bet in the interview you're about to hear, I'm going to tell Sonali that her new (laughs) book is my favorite one. Because I I really, I love all of her books. They're really good. Um, They really are. The next book I want to talk about is Adriana Herrera's Mangoes and Mistletoe. It's a Christmas novella, um, and it's about two women who... Are on a reality baking show, so it's basically like the Great British Baking Show, but it's a little more cutthroat. They're not as nice to each other <laughs> on this show. But it's about two women, then they're they're paired off. They're in a team, and they have to work together. And they, um, you know, they have to they have to figure out how to work together first of all in the kitchen so they can win the show. They both have their own reasons for wanting to win, and what that would mean for them. Um, it takes place like they go to Scotland to film it. And it's in this old Scottish castle that just so happens to be having some renovations that no one on the TV crew knew about. So there ends up being just one bed. They have to share a room and Mm -hmm. there's just one bed, which you know, is like, I think everyone's favorite romance trope. Um, And, but it is, it's really fun. It's really great. Um, Both women are Dominican, which is really cool and how they infuse that into their baking, which I, you know, we hear a lot about like, when you're just cooking, you know, you hear a lot of, you know, you think about different flavor profiles there, but in baking, it's kind of straightforward. So it it was really cool to like have that aspect of it too. Um, Another author who write in every single one of her books, there's a food element is Jackie Lau. She's a Canadian author. And one of my favorites of hers is a match made for Thanksgiving. So it's over Canadian Thanksgiving. It's relatively similar. Like the kind of the idea of it is similar to American Thanksgiving, but it's in Canada. Um, And yeah, and um, her these characters are Chinese Canadian. And so there is like also kind of that melding of cultures there and how they incorporate that into their Thanksgiving celebration, which was really fun. And her books are also they're really, um, they're just really fun. I don't know what else to say about it. They're really fun. (laughs) Um, And it's but it's also those are definitely books where if you're reading it, you are going to be hungry by the time you're done with a chapter because there's just so much food discussion. It's great. And then I do want to talk about Jasmine Guillory, all of her books. There's like kind of a go-to food in it. Mm-hmm. So like the one, and the one I think about the most is in the proposal. They're always eating tacos, oh, the entire yeah. book. They don't eat anything else. I don't think. Um, and it's great. Cause you get to hear about all these cool tacos. Um, Jasmine's books are set in the Bay area of California. So, I mean, that's such a, they're, Great food cities in that area. So um, they're really, she does a really good job, I think, of making it feel authentic. Like it seems like a restaurant you could go to, you know, in California. It's really cool. And then finally, Accidentally Engaged by Farrah Heron, which just came out um, earlier this year. If you like bread, this is the book for you. Yeah. <laughs> she I talks like about bread a lot and it's awesome. <laughs> So, what about you? What are your book picks?
0: Oh man, okay. So I um, only have one addition to this uh, because I really, really, really needed to back your pick of Recipe per- Persuasion because yeah. that was one of like it was one of the most wonderful books that i read last year i just loved it so much Mm -hmm. um okay so yeah so i'm adding that but i also really love this this is a very old series but it's (laughs) one that was one of the first like chef romances that i had read and i feel so bad that like this author quit and Mm -hmm. now would probably be able to do pretty well um Mm -hmm. but she uh it's lisa edwards her recipe for love series and it follows like different each book follows like different chefs and restaurant owners one series, one of the books, also went to culinary school. Mm-hmm. So you had like the the rivals to lovers back and forth of the two of them, like yeah. trying to be the top student. Um, so it's it's really it was really really cute series. I loved it very very much. Awesome. And now Those I'm are, hungry.
1: <laughs> I know that's what I was gonna say. So we're gonna take a short break and get some snacks because we're starving. Talking about food, um, and then we'll come back to our interview with Sonali Dave. USA Today bestselling author Sonali Dave writes Bollywood-style love stories that explore issues faced by women around the world. Sonali's novels have been on Library Journal, NPR, Washington Post, and Kirkus's Best Books of the Year lists. She has won the American Library Association's Award for Best Romance, the RT Reviewer Choice Award for Best Contemporary Romance, Multiple RT Seals of Excellence is a Rita finalist and has been listed for the Dublin Literary Award. Shelf Awareness calls her not only one of the best, but one of the bravest romance novelists working today, which I agree with. She lives in Chicagoland with her husband, two visiting adult children, and the world's most perfect dog, Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast, Sonali. <laughs> thank
2: you, Danielle. And thank Yay. you, Glenn. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> oh, Sonali, you.
0: we are so thrilled to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know you were saying before we started recording that you are head deep in writing right now. So we know your time is precious.
2: Um, well, I'm looking for ways to procrastinate always. I'm at that point in the writing process. Actually, that's my entire writing process. I'm trying to procrastinate. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> You're a living, living, walking meme. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm true. laughs> well, your your latest series about the Rajay family um, are all based on the novels of Jane Austen. Uh, where did this idea come from and how did or do you have a favorite Jane Austen novel?
2: So first, I don't have a favorite. I have four favorites. And oh. uh, those are the four that I set out to um, write these books um, inspired by. And um, I know the word that gets thrown around is retelling, but mm-hmm. it's completely a misnomer, I think, when it comes to my books. These are um, purely inspired by, by the lessons I learned from her books. So these are themes that were important to me growing up. I uh, was, I started reading her in middle school. And um, I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I knew from back then, of course, it's one of those dreams we have that kind of we don't even um, acknowledge or really realize until you know something happens to make them viable dreams, right? Which is such mm-hmm. a weird thing. But I was a reader back in high, uh, back back in middle school is when I discovered *Pride and Prejudice*. <laughs> uh, and um, and and ironically, I did I my discovery came through a retelling. So there was a, an Indian TV show back in the eighties called *Trishna*, which was a scene by scene retelling of *Pride and Prejudice* set in um, set in the Uh, in in the Indian culture set in India and Mm -hmm. there was a real life prince playing Mr. Darcy so before before there was the Colin 4th Darcy mania Colin 4th Darcy mania there was (laughs) you know the Rahul Dhan Rajgir Darcy mania (laughs) in in my middle school and actually in uh, in India back then but I, I the thing that connected me was you know this this heroine who was opinionated and contrary and didn't pander, didn't care if you know right. men liked her, and yeah. something inside me just screamed. <laughs> it was just everything I believed inside me that I didn't see reflected in my world there, and um and so I ran out and uh, you know checked Pride and Prejudice out of my library and I was lost. And ever since then, there was this kind of you know, thing going on in my head that I knew I was going to do something with these novels someday. That's amazing.
1: That is so much fun. I had no idea about that adaptation. That sounds so fun.
2: You know, and and I think we tried a few friends, uh, you know, for pure nostalgia value, Mm -hmm. it is on YouTube. And it's very much 80s, you know, (laughs) uh, just single camera not. And and this is back when in India, television was TV shows. I mean, this was not 7,000 shows to choose from television. This was, you know, a couple hours of programming a day, television. So it was uh, not even, you know, it's so... um, so initial in its attempt but it's it's still kind of fun like cringy but uh but nostalgically fun to watch
1: (laughs) that's awesome so incense and sensibility is of course based on sense and sensibility which is my personal favorite austin but so what are some of your favorite elements from austin's text that you brought to this work and I was also wondering if maybe if it's not too spoilery to talk about what you might have changed to bring this book into the modern age.
2: So everything <laughs> <laughs> is the short answer, but yeah. um, in, so in *Sense and Sensibility*, um, which by the way the title is something my son came up with in middle school, Ooh. so I'm incredibly proud oh. of that title. Very A different clever. story. He he, he was, he is such a clever, um, not boy anymore, but he was (laughs) such a clever boy back then. But so, so it's interesting that this is, uh, it's always so interesting to me, which of Austen's novels are people's favorites. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I find something different, um, you know, that, that really takes, um, takes up my imagination in each one of them. There's something special about every one of them. Um, in, a, in a in such a different way right mm-hmm. and the thing about um in sense, um the thing about sense and sensibility for me i think um i, I won't say it's my favorite mm-hmm. but it's the most um I, it's the most plotty i mm-hmm. i feel. And um, it is the most, um, I I don't want to say flawed, because I think it wasn't flawed in its time. But I feel like it is the hardest to translate across time, Mm, because the heart of it, uh, you know, which is the reason the two women cannot be with the two men, you Mm. know, whether it's um, not even Colonel Brandon, when you think of Willoughby, and you think of uh, Edward Ferris, the reasons for their separation, the the heart, you know, the base conflicts are completely irrelevant tonight time, right? Mm -hmm. Because uh, for the most part, infidelity seems, you know, to, um, to, to be completely differently defined. And certainly the reasons to stay with someone have you know have changed so much that it's a paradigm. It's not even you know in the same universe anymore. People who love Sense and Sensibility argue this to death with me. Um, I'm speaking to my sister-in-law right now, who <laughs> you human. know, uh, who will not uh, will 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 fight me to death on this. But I think Edward Ferris cheated. So my my I my the way I look at it is he was um, he had a commitment to another woman. And he put himself in a position where, you know, the classic cheetahs thing is, you know, I couldn't control it. And he can't, he puts himself in a situation where he and um, Eleanor fall in love. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, you can say he doesn't act on it. But I think the thing that I'm exploring a little bit in this is, is that what makes it wrong? The fact that you didn't act on it. Or is the fact that you went there knowing fully well what was happening, right? And so, um, so that was the hardest part for me to translate because I, um, I, I don't. And this is probably a naive thing to say in today's day and age. I don't get cheating like it's one thing. I just is it's that's my big trigger. I you know mm-hmm. forgiving a cheater is just not in my um, you know I, I'm. It's just something that doesn't work for me. Story-wise doesn't work for me. It just is, is, is the greatest, grandest betrayal of everything. you know. Um, and so I, I, that was the piece that for me was what I had to play with to make this tale meaningful to me and um, current. And okay. so, uh, in fact, I think the spine of this entire series is Yash you know, it is his um, the his ambition tied in so much with the family's ambition and how mm. it's, it, if, you know, his life is the kind of fulcrum and fruition of everything the family believes and the series itself physically, you know, gets kicked off when he announces his gubernatorial mm. uh, candidacy and the series will end when that's over and so he's the heart of this whole thing Uh, And also, you know, the thing he has with Nana, you know, the fact that the world believes he is with another woman. And that was, uh, you know, that's my big thing. What does that mean? And that then leads to the royal mess that this man who seems so sorted on the outside is on the inside. So, yeah. so it is very much my own story, but that's kind of the heart of it. And of course, Eleanor's need, you know, to um to to be ra- you know to be right and good and in mm-hmm. all the ways that she believes to be important.
1: Eleanor is, was always such an interesting character to me because it always feels like everyone just like goes to Eleanor and just tells her everything, and then she's like, "Well, okay, you know, like what is she <laughs> right?" To do? And then she does want to help, but then at the same time, she doesn't really know how to help herself even
2: yeah that was and and i mean and india even actually says it's a professional hazard because everybody keeps saying i don't know why i just told you that and she's like it's a professional (laughs) hazard (laughs) eleanor's translation into india um i really am proud of how that happened and how intrinsically you know this woman who is almost yogic and you know yeah. and and this regency woman it's <laughs> just um i i kind of loved how that happened and some of that happens organically mm-hmm. and and i also think yash yes, is the best parts of edward you know and and there yeah. is uh, there is that need to be um noble. And there is that need to, um, you know, to live up to people's expectations. Of course, they do it completely differently, I think. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Yash,
0: you know, he's running for governor of California in this novel and has to maintain a certain persona to uh, go along with his campaign, as you've mentioned, and um, as well as high standards of his influential family. He's got a lot going on for himself. Um, Were you worried about bringing politics into your novel at all, Sonali? And um, what about what else are you hoping your readers will love and understand about Yash's character? aside from his chosen profession of trying to run for governor?
2: A, I, I feel very, very lucky that this was not my 2020 book. <laughs> <That> <laughs> my persuasion was. Yeah. Because, yeah, like four people would have read it. So I'm really <laughs> glad that it comes out in a time when People are feeling generally less overwrought um, and um, you know, I mean, being generally done with politics is one thing but the book is not really about politics mm-hmm. in any more than any of my books are. I feel mm-hmm. like, my, you know, my books are inherently politics I think all um, all writing is and um, you know how you couch it and how um, how elegantly you're able to subvert it is a different question but most certainly what we write is political most certainly if uh, if you are in any way not the majority uh population then the act of you um, you know telling a story is an act of uh, is a political act anyway so in that much this book is politics and of course it's set in politics, and I think it's a very relative, I mean, very relevant thing today to explore what makes politicians politicians, and to explore what makes a, a public servant um, different from a politician, because yeah. all politicians will tell you that they aren't politicians, they are public servants, and they are two very different things that are very intrinsically tied, and um, and, and Yashi's journey, you know, overtly questions that, but in a very, very internal way. Um, place of emotion and place of, you know, identity. I'm not going to say that this is not a political book, Mm -hmm. uh, but this is not a political book. It's a
1: human (laughs) book. Let's talk about some of your favorite things about India and what you hope readers learn from her.
2: I think she's one of my subtlest and loudest characters. (laughs) Like it's a, it's a very, uh, uh, that's one of the things I love about her Mm -hmm. um, is, and she's also, I think, the most sorted woman I have ever written. Because just it, you know, I it it has just so happened that all of my heroines have dealt with um with overt issues. Mm-hmm. And um and India is sorted. Like she's the she's the woman we all want to be. And um, in fact one of my editors' comments was, can I be India? And I think yeah. that um that and but not in a way of you know, again, this unreachable, shiny, I mean, she is, it's, you know, the whole idea of being a yogi, anybody who thinks they're already in a yogic state is obviously not in a yogic state. And this is something that uh, the book also speaks to directly. But I think that that if we could all just be um, that, okay, with who we are, with yeah. how, how the world is, with everything, then the world would be a better place, <laughs> right? I mean, I I want to be Indian. Having been a longtime reader of yours, uh, we know
0: that you love to incorporate food into your books and your latest book re- or your last book, Recipe for Persuasion, had a chef main character that was competing in a reality food competition show, which was so cool. Um, what's a dish you think would pair really well with incense and
2: sensibility? Well, The mango chia overnight oats, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> the devotional oats and you have to read the book to know why Yash calls them yeah. the devotional <laughs> oats and it's not a good story and I apologize in advance for all the grossness readers love the food in my book mm-hmm. so much and uh, both pride prejudice are uh, pride and prejudice mm-hmm. oh gosh pride prejudice and other flavors <laughs> for persuasion have nice. protagonists who are chefs Right uh, you know, and and uh, food is part of their internal and external conflicts. So there is, you know, food is very much. In fact, those two books, I think for me were, when, you know, people had gone on and on and on about food in my previous books, which were not about food. And I right. was like, you want food? I'll give you food. And, they, oh, yeah. you know, kind of... <laughs> that's a little bit um, of it was also me coming into my own relationship with food which is rather intense (laughs) that's the great love of my life unfortunately unfortunately this
1: is this actually leads into our next question really well because something that we take very seriously on the fresh Fiction podcast is talking about what brings us comfort and joy which for a lot of times Gwen and I do talk about what we've been eating (laughs) Um, but so what's something that has made you happy over you know the last few weeks
2: something that has made me happy over the last few weeks um the last few weeks have been um probably you know some of the happiest in recent years for me uh but I can't talk about it yet okay (laughs) So, uh, hold on. Uh, there's yeah. lots of news coming. I'm really easy with the happiness thing. <laughs>
1: Good. No, that's awesome. A uh,
2: cup of chai makes me happy. Talking to you guys is. Oh, fabulous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> making me awesome. yes, happy. Yes, making us happy. Sonali, what can readers expect from you next? So I am working on the Emma book, which is as yet untitled and really, really excited about it. It is gender swapped. Mm-hmm. So nice. he is uh, the Emma, but this is also, I think, even less uh, of a faithful retelling. Mm-hmm. So it's very thematic. It is, uh, of course, you know, there are things like you know the Knightley character is thirteen years, twelve years older than the Emma character, so there are some. Um, b- but that changes everything. Changes when that's yeah. gender flipped. So there's, yeah. um, it's it's also, um, and it hasn't been to my editor yet. So this probably will change, um, but I don't think it will. Is it is far hotter. Than the first three oh, books. Okay. And that is just completely something that I have that has surprised me and uh just been uh, maybe I've misread writing <laughs> sex for the past three books because you know everything is closed door mm-hmm. in the first three. Uh this is uh yeah, I mean they're bunnies, so maybe I'll have to have them do it less, but But it is so I think it is. um, I'm very excited about the story. um, But it's not your matchmaking Emma story at all, uh, not by a long shot. So, so it's going to be even less of, uh, uh, you know, can we call it uh, even call it a retelling, but I'm really excited about it and that won't come out until I think uh, May-ish
1: 2022. Before we wrap up can you let readers know where to connect with you online?
2: So I'm at sonali.dave.com. that has all my face uh, all my social media accounts linked but I'm on Instagram a lot I have uh, been giving away arcs of incense and sensibility, a few times a month, like a drunken sailor, along with arcs of other, you know, books that I'm excited about. Okay. So um, Instagram is kind of where I'm finding, um, I'm really enjoying being on social media right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Facebook, I have a reader group, uh, if you're specifically interested in my books, uh, and it's called Dev Nation. Dave Nation so um that's a good place to join to have more personal uh, intimate conversations with me my newsletter uh is uh, something that I send out you know just maybe once a month it's the three hours so you get a recipe you get a recommendation and a really bad joke from <laughs> my family group chat and you also get um recipe book and e-recipe book free uh, when you sign up and all of that can be found on um, my website so that's basically how to find me thank you so much for chatting
1: with us today Sonali this was so much fun
0: Smiley is the best. Be sure to follow her on social media to find out where you can get signed books, as well as see her at virtual book tours. And I'm sure she's also probably scheduling some in-person stuff too. So
1: mm-hmm. we love our. Yeah, Sonali. we'll yeah we'll link all of that in show notes.
0: This has been such a week. I know that I know. you being on family vacation. How do you feel you did with your goal of last
1: month, which was surviving
0: your family vacation? Yeah,
1: I mean, we talked about this at the beginning. I think we. I think I did this goal. I think I survived. <laughs> I I think so I mean, you're here with me. This is true. I did make it. I'm back. I'm on this podcast (laughs) recording. I don't know why I was so worried about, you know, I think it was just like anticipating going on vacation. My new goal for this week. Okay. I have to explain this a bit. Every year or so I pick a baking recipe that I want to perfect. So like a few years Mm -hmm. ago I decided I was going to learn A chocolate cake recipe from scratch that I could memorize and that I would just know. We ate chocolate cake twice a month for an entire year. It was (laughs) wild. I usually tried to like make sure it was around someone's birthday so I could like give it away. I did it with chocolate chip cookies one summer. I did it with brownies one summer. Like, and I usually start it in the summer. I don't know what it is. I need to pick something to learn how to like really like perfect it and like have just like a go to recipe no matter what that I can just go to and do so I'm gonna at least pick the recipe I want to perfect I don't know if I'm gonna start we'll see what happens
0: so last time I was to find a general practitioner for Cliff and myself, mm-hmm. um, and also a, a vet for my dog Ronan. I did not successfully achieve this goal, but I did go to the dent. We did go to the dentist. So that's great. Good. But, <laughs> um, my new goal is all about food because I'm hungry I'm getting a new baby, AKA <laughs> a, a Cuisin art air fryer, toaster oven combo. Yeah, Um, I'm ordering it from Costco. It's going to come to me and it's going to be my new baby. And I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. But because of that, I've never had an air fryer before. I am very excited about learning how to make uh, chicken tenders, like crispy Mm -hmm. fried chicken tenders in it. So I'm on the hunt right now to learn a, to find and learn new air fryer chicken recipes. Cause that's one of the things I've been having a hard time finding here has been just like, southern fried chicken like yeah surprise surprise I don't live in the south so I can't I'm gonna have to like make it myself (laughs) yeah
1: I am so excited for you because people who have air fryers it's almost like I mean I think it's it's surpassed like instant pot Uh cult levels you know like people are into their air fryers
0: I'm hopeful that I will also fall in love with my air fryer. Yeah. Well, and that brings us to our comfort. Speaking of all these snacks,
1: you know, I think we really leaned into the food aspect of this episode. So, one thing that I adore lately, not lately, I've been making these for a few years now. I think I actually discovered this back when I was trying to perfect my chocolate chip cookie recipe. But Mm -hmm. there are these cookies that are crushed Oreos and white chocolate chip cookies, which I think at the surface level sounds like a lot, but there's something, I don't know what it is. It's like the dough is very basic. There's like really not that much sugar in the dough because of the crushed Oreos and the white chocolate chips. Oreo cookies by themselves without the filling are pretty, not bitter, but they're not sweet. So when you combine them all together, they just make these wonderful cookies and they're the type of cookie, they also just look great, I think because the stark, dark chocolate of the Oreo cookie and then combined with like the filling and the white chocolate chips, like it just makes a really pretty cookie. Mm -hmm. And every time I've taken this cookie to like a party or given them to friends or whatever, everyone is like, They're always like, oh, where did you get these? Because that's how good, they just look really great. And I'm like, no, I made those. And everyone's like, what? You know, (laughs) they, they look like a specialty cookie that you would get from like some- you know, hoity toity bakery, which makes me feel pretty great. And they're, they're so easy. They're like the easiest cookies to make. If you Google it, they, there are different recipes of it, but I will find the one. I remember I like pinned it on Pinterest like yeah. years ago. I will find the pin. I will link to that because they're really good.
0: I, you know, I love it though. Mm-hmm. I'm all about the snacks as well. Even though I know we, we, you and I discuss every single episode are like, uh, you know, challenging relationship with caffeine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am really into oat milk lattes recently. I Mm. just love the creaminess of oat milk. Um, It makes me, I've figured out the hacking level of like what ounce oat milk latte to order so that I get the right amount of espresso to coffee balance, which is 12 ounce for me because I like my two shots with just a little bit of milk.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: um, yeah, I'm really just very pleased today. I had a mocha really changed
1: it up with my that sounds nice oat milk mocha cool that sounds delicious i have not had an oat milk latte i have been intrigued though so i may have to try one i hope everyone is super hungry and goes and <laughs> finds a very good snack to have as always you can find us on all the social media so you can find everything about freshfiction.com at fresh fiction you can find me at d jackson books all one word all together um on Twitter and Instagram.
0: I love it. And you can find me at Real Vixen, R-E-E-L-V-I-X-E-N on all the socials too.
1: Yeah. And of course we'd love it, love it, love it when people follow and or subscribe, rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. It really helps get the word out about the show. Bye everyone.